We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 2 this uh, evening. That's the the text that I want to look at in 1 Kings uh, chapter 2. Uh, The the, uh, young adults class that that I was teaching uh, the past few months, we were going through the life of David. And, of course, you know, there's a lot written uh, about David, of course, starting in 1 Samuel and all through 2 Samuel and into 1 and 2 Kings. So there's a lot of different things uh, that we talked about and looked at through his life. You know, we, we started off looking at, of course, David and Goliath and the great faith that he had. And we looked at uh, suffering uh, in the life of David, how he had to uh, suffer at the hands of King Saul and how he didn't exact revenge on King Saul. Uh, we looked at lessons in obedience uh, when uh, uh, they had the ark, of course, and they were taking the ark and um, lessons on grace. Uh, again, we, we've covered that a couple of times since I've been here with the, the account with Mephibosheth and how David uh, graciously brought him back into uh, his presence. We looked at sin and its consequences uh, with the story of Bathsheba and we looked at life lessons and parenting. Of course, you know, uh, there, uh, the Bible had a lot of negative things to say as far as David's uh, parenting. Uh, but we looked at a lot of those uh, different scenarios, forgiveness, uh, adversity. And then the, the last lesson we looked at was the, the census David took. And uh, sort of a prideful thing in that moment that he did was to take a census of his army. And because of that, if you remember that, uh, you know, God came to him and basically told him that he was going to be punished and he had to choose between the three uh, different punishments he had. And he chose the sort of the, uh, the least severest, if you will, in, in terms of length of time uh, that they would uh, have this pestilence through the land for about three days. And, uh, and so, so we kind of left off that lesson there. It kind of, you know, it, it kind of left a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth in the, in the, you know, the life of David. And so what I want to do is look at one more lesson in the life of David. Again, 1 Kings chapter 2, we're going to look at his final charge uh, that he leaves to his son Solomon. Again, David, uh, we know the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. And so, you know, again, I want to focus in more on the positive of David uh, this, this evening as we kind of conclude uh, the life of David, uh, you know, it's an end of an era uh, for uh, the people of Israel. Again, you know, we could say that God broke the mold when, he, uh, uh, when David was uh, born. You know, David, again, a man after God's own heart. Um, we're told in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 10, 11, that he slept with his fathers. He was buried in the city of David. Uh, he reigned in Israel for 40 years. Uh, but right before that, he gives his son Solomon this final charge. Uh, we don't necessarily know how old Simon, or Simon, Solomon was at this time, but uh, a lot of scholars believe he was around 20 years of age uh, when his father David died and when he took over. And he's going to reign for 40 years. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting how that works. You know, it's really easy to remember that, you know, King Saul, the first king of Israel, reigned for 40 years. And then David reigned for 40 years. And then Solomon reigned for 40 years. And so you got the, those three generations, each with uh, 40 years. But actually, in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, verse 7, uh, it tells us that, or Solomon says to God, he says, Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And again, 
Uh, not that he was necessarily physically a little child, but uh, again, uh, they think he was more just, you know, it's just a little bit immature. And so he ref- references himself as a little child. But uh, let's uh, back up uh, again in chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 9. We're going to get basically David on his deathbed, uh, you know, giving this final charge to his son Solomon. Now, now think about this. If you. Uh, had the opportunity, like David, to pass on information to your children, uh, knowing that your time was about to end on earth, you know, what would you say to them? You know, a lot of us, you know, some of us prepare for those things, right? You know, I think a lot of people, you know, have that book, that they keep in the kitchen or somewhere within the house that's got, you know, all the information that they want to, you know, in case of an emergency that their children could come and, you know, it'd have all the bank account information and, you know, the bills that, where, where those need to get paid and those type of things. And, you know, people have left, I know, like voice recordings or even now t- today with uh, technology, you know, people are leaving videos uh, for that time that's going to happen. But, you know, not, of us all, not all of us get that opportunity to, you know, have something prepared uh, to say, to, to leave for our children. But uh, David does. Uh, he, he does here. And, and let's back up to 1 Kings chapter 1. Let's get kind of the context of where we are here. Again, David is an old man. Um, if you remember the, uh, this woman by the name of Ab- Abishag, she's basically... Um, brought in to be David's nurse because uh, he, again, he's at an old age. He can't keep warm. He needs somebody to attend to him. And so she is brought in to be his attendant. And one of David's sons uh, by the name of Adonijah, uh, he is going to try to usurp uh, the throne of David. You know, he sees his father, again, weak and not being able to lead. And so he's just going to go and take, you know, David's a crown, take the position of king here in chapter one. So he goes and goes to, you know, some of David's top men like uh, Abner, who is uh, one of his uh, commanders in chief and some of the, the, the top priests in the land. And he gets them together and says, you know, it's time for me to become king. Uh, my father, you know, can no longer do these things. And so uh, they go off and they have this great feast and they're celebrating these things. But word gets back to Solomon. There were some people that weren't invited uh, to that, that celebration, that event. That included Solomon and his mother Bathsheba and uh, Nathan the prophet. You know, some of those who were more online with, with David. And so um, they get wind of what's going on. They go to David and say, hey, David. You know, didn't you promise that Solomon would be king in place of you? But your son, your son Adonijah, uh, has, has taken the throne. And so uh, David uh, talks again with Nathan and Bathsheba, and they, they say, take Solomon and anoint him to be king. And uh, when this happens, you know, the kingdom erupts in, um, you know, in celebration. Uh, that the new king has been established. As a matter of fact, uh, in verse 47 of chapter 1, it says, uh, Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon better than your name and his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. So David is bowing down to his son, who is now the king 
of Israel. And it's, it's funny if you continue reading in this account that you see that the people who are over at Adonijah's event, you know, they're catching wind of this too, that uh, Solomon has been placed as king. And, you know, it's sort of like a bad dinner party. They one by one, you know, they file out of there. They're, they're getting away because they know that uh, they shouldn't be there. Adonijah uh, shouldn't be the king. And uh, he prematurely took the throne, and they don't want to be found uh, backing Adonijah now because David's thrown his weight behind Solomon. And so Adonijah, he, he's frightened. Uh, if you remember, at the end of this chapter, he, he goes and grabs hold uh, of the, uh, of the uh, well, let's see, of the altar. Yeah, he, he grabs hold of the horns of the altar, and he's basically pleading and begging for his life. And so uh, as we jump in here to chapter 2, uh, we're going to notice, again, David uh, gives his final charge uh, to his son Solomon. So what I want to notice here is, again, you know, think of this scenario. If you had uh, a few things to say to your child or your grandchild, you know, what would it be? Uh, we're going to notice what David is going to leave uh, for Solomon. So let's look at the first one, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says, again, 1 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Would any of you uh, want to be king during those times? Would you want that responsibility? You might think you would because you think all the good things came, but really the responsibilities and oversight and judgments and everything come in, that would be a heavy toll. Yeah, just think of, you know, today, you know, being president of the United States. You know, the, the stress, the, uh, the, the media, all that type of thing. Uh, I don't know how many uh, would want that responsibility. Um, I won't ask you to raise your hands, if, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't know very many people who would want that responsibility. But I think, you know, if we were to go back to the time of David and, you know, obviously uh, in David's time, it was a kingship. You know, he was the king. He was the legislator. He, he made the rules. Uh, he made the laws. He uh, d did executions, that type of thing. Uh, he had to make some gut-wrenching uh, decisions. And, of course, you know, we think of, of people in leadership positions, you know, and again, at that time frame, you know, that wouldn't be a time for uh, someone to be a squeamish or weak, uh, to be in that sort of position. Um, not that we have time to read this whole chapter in chapter two, but Solomon, as soon as he becomes king, as soon as after David uh, passes away, he has to make some of these uh, great decisions in chapter, or excuse me, verse 19 through 27. He orders the execution of Adonijah, his brother. I, uh, uh, remember at the end of chapter 1, he, he's holding the, the, the horns of the altar. He's pleading for his life. Solomon says, you know, if you behave yourself, you know, I'll let you live. I'll, um, if, you're, if you're found worthy, I'll let you live. Uh, but uh, in chapter 2, we find out that he tried to plot again to take the, the kingship away from uh, David, uh, Abishag. That we talked about here a second ago, he goes to Bathsheba and he asks uh, if, through Bathsheba, if she would talk to Solomon and ask if he could have Abishag as his wife. Now, Bathsheba really doesn't know what this means, what's going on, but Solomon knows exactly what's going on. He's trying to 
make this connection between uh, Abishag and David. And then if he marries Abishag, then maybe he has a, you know, a, a piece of the kingship. Maybe he should be the rightful heir. And so uh, Solomon, uh, he knows what's going on. He knows uh, that Adonijah's got a foul play in mind. And so Solomon has him executed. Again, a big decision. Uh, verses 28 through 35, uh, Solomon has Joab executed. Uh, Joab was one of David's uh, you know, best man. He was, he was the commander of his army. But at the end of David's life, when Adonijah went off, you know, Joab went with Adonijah. And so uh, another, uh, we see another execution take place uh, of Joab. And then another man by the name of Shimei uh, was executed in verses 36 through uh, 46. But again, uh, we think of this charge that Solomon makes to David here in verse, or that David makes to Solomon here in verse 2, and he says, Be strong, you know, show yourself a man. And of course, don't we want those in leadership positions, uh, employers, uh, bosses, um, you know, fathers, uh, mothers, parents, uh, don't we want, you know, strong leadership? Uh, especially within uh, the church as well. Because uh, in de- indecisive leadership, uh, when the stakes are eternally high, is, uh, it's not a good combination. And so uh, notice again, David equates strength here with one showing himself as a, a man. Uh, you know, uh, in the New Testament, uh, the Bible also uh, will say sometimes, uh, from time to time, it'll say, um, you know, act like a man, uh, you know, be, a, be a, a man of God. And is that talking about, you know, having bravado or having, uh, you know, this intimidating, aggressive masculinity? About being morally responsible, respectable, example, whatever, manner of life. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of the movie Beauty and the Beast, right? Has everyone seen Beauty and the Beast? And you know, who, who's the antagonist of that movie? The, the villain. Remember, it's that guy by the name of Gaston, you know, and he sings that song about himself and how, you know, he's got biceps to spare. You know, he, I mean, he's just a man's man. Um, he, he's a, that's what the world thinks when it says, you know, when maybe when the Bible says, you know, show yourself to be a man. But that, of course, is not uh, what we're talking about. It, I want to notice a couple of verses in, in uh, the letters to Timothy. Look at First Timothy chapter six, verse 11. Uh, this this uh, verse here, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. Well, wait a minute, you just told him that, you know, you're, you're a man of God, but you're telling him to flee from certain things? You know, I, again, I thought that, you know, manhood meant to be, you know, non-intimidated and you have this strength and, again, bravado and all these types of things. But Paul here is telling Timothy, Timothy you know, flee from these things. Flee from the love of money if we look up into verse 10. That's what he's telling him to flee from. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Hopefully these, this is a passage that we're very familiar with. Uh, Paul writes, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 
is, is those verses there that I just read, are those singling out males and not female? No, 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 of course not. It's, uh, actually, the, the NIV translation actually says, instead of man of God, a servant uh, of God. Um, that word there in the Greek is the word anthropos, and it, it, it doesn't mean male, but it means mankind. Right? Um, so that the man of God, so that mankind may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so, again, we just want to notice here uh, that this first charge that um, David leaves Solomon is to be strong. Now, now, let's notice the second one. I think this one's the most important uh, one that he, he gives us here in verses 3 and 4. He, but back here in 1 Kings chapter 2, he says, Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, then you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. You know, David is saying here, you know, if I've got, you know, if I got one piece of advice for you, Solomon, it is to know God, right? Know him and know his commands. Um, Take note of this, you know, uh, you know, again, uh, going through the life of David, we don't really see uh, a lot of his interaction with his uh, children growing up other than sort of the negative things when, uh, you know, his his son tried to overthrow his, his kingdom and when uh, one of his sons uh, raped uh, one of his daughters, his half-sister, the half-sister of his brother. You know, we see a lot of these negative aspects of David's children, but we don't really see the positive. We don't know necessarily, uh, you know, was David there? Uh, did he have a part in raising his children? Uh, did he have an influence in bringing them up as godly children? Uh, but I think this is an important thing for us to note is, you know, don't make this be uh, something uh, that, that we tell our children, our grandchildren, as a last piece of advice, right? Uh, we need to make it a uh, first, make it a priority. Uh, ingrain this in your children. Uh, never forsake him. You know, and, he, and he basically covers all the gamuts here, doesn't he? He says, keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies. So, you know, not, not that we need to necessarily define all of these, but uh, there is a little bit of difference between all of these. But, of course, statutes are, you know, decrees that are set in stone. Uh, commandments are, you know, instructions that a superior would give his subordinate, uh, father to son, king to his servant. You know, ordinances are these, uh, these rules and, and judgments and, and testimonies, of course, you know, truths uh, that would uh, need to be permanent and repeated. You know, and he goes through that whole gamut there. Keep these things. Um, but then he gives us the content of the charge as well. He says, keep these things according to what is written in the law of Moses. Right? Some, this is something tangible. It's objective. It's knowable. You know, basically, what's he saying? Read the Bible. You know, we, we would say that. Yeah, Eddie? Be Christ-like. Yeah, be Christ-like. We would say that today. Be Christ-like. Read the Bible. You know, keep all of these uh, different things. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing, uh, you know, that, that my family and I try to do is, you know, we try to set aside 
time uh, every day to do what we call family Bible time. You know, we just uh, we usually do it right before bedtime, you know, 10, 15 minutes or longer just to, you know, sit down with them and read a story with them or, um, you know, talk about something uh, spiritually related. You know, I, I know a lot of, uh, you know, hearing stories from preachers and stuff uh, that, you know, some of their favorite memories growing up is, you know, going to grandpa and grandma's house and seeing grandpa in his favorite chair reading the Bible. You know, or, or going to the, his, their dad's studying, uh, study and seeing him there reading uh, the Bible. Again, um, you know, David is uh, impressing this upon Solomon. Keep these things. And, and so we see the characteristics of this charge, the content of it, and then uh, the capability of it. Uh, again, he says uh, that if uh, you keep these things, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. Now, I don't think David is teaching, you know, the, the health and wealth gospel that, you know, uh, that everything is going to be great for them. Uh, but, um, you know, how is, again, relating this today, how is the Christian life better? Well, you know that God's got all the answers. Okay. Him. I mean, that's the first Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we, we have the Christian life is a better life. Uh, we have, you know, of course, we have a Christian family. We, we have the comfort that, that Eddie talked about. We have uh, the confidence again that, you know, we don't have to worry about those who live faithfully, who've gone on before us and that, you know, all we need to do is live a faithful life as well. And we'll be reunited with them. And again, um, you sh- or he says, you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn if you keep his, his commandments, his statutes, his ordinances, his testimonies, all of those things that are written in the law of Moses. Uh, but then notice in verse, in, in verse 4, uh, he says, again, uh, so that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons are careful on their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. There's one word in there that uh, I didn't focus too much on, but it's a very small word, but it's very big in uh, consequences. It's, it's the word if, right? If you do these things. And of course, you know, as Christians, we have a better covenant. We have a better promises. But the, those same things are still true today. There are contingencies uh, to being a Christian and to uh, receiving uh, those great things. Again, if you do those things. Uh, so, uh, again, David has um, laid down to Solomon, be strong. Uh, he has told him to keep the charge of your God. And notice the third thing he says in verse 5 and 6. He says, uh, now you also know that Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and to Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. He also shed the blood of war and peace, and he put the blood of war on his belt, around his waist, and on his sandals, on his feet. So act according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down in Sheol in peace. And then in verse... Um, Verse 9, he's going to basically say that again. He's going to say, you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do to him. So uh, another charge that he leaves his children, 
his son Solomon, act according to wisdom. Again, these are difficult decisions that Solomon's going to have to make. Uh, again, ex the execution of his brother, uh, of the commander of the army, uh, of this man by the name of Shimei. Um, and chapter 3 of 1 Kings is really, uh, you know, when uh, Solomon gets uh, that, uh, that great wisdom uh, that we remember him for. Uh, you know, again, you know, God's leaders uh, within, within the church are called upon to make excruciating decisions all along the way. And there is no way that they can succeed without wisdom, right? We, we all need uh, wisdom. Well, how do we get wisdom? Yeah, that's what I want to go for. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 5, you know, James here is writing about, uh, you know, trials and temptations and, uh, you know, how to deal with them. And in verse 5, he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, there are, there are times where, you know, we are going to go through something that we've never gone through before. And James says, pray for wisdom, ask for wisdom. Uh, he continues in those verses saying, uh, but he must ask in faith without any doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Um, so ask for wisdom, pray for wisdom, but don't doubt uh, that those things. The Proverbs writer, well, this would be Solomon in Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth and do not sell it. You know, get wisdom, get instruction, get understanding. You know, again, uh, invest in these things. Get, get wisdom. Is there a difference between wisdom and uh, knowledge? Yeah, I see some heads shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, knowledge is it's data. It's a body of facts. It's information. Uh, but wisdom really is is what we do uh, with that information, how we apply it. Uh, you know, again, there might be a situation that this congregation uh, is going through for the first time, and, you know, no one here has any um, experience uh, in that situation. And so uh, maybe they get on the phone and call an, uh, an eldership at another congregation and say, you know, we're going through something uh, like this. Have you uh, maybe gone through that before? And they'll say, yeah, sure. Uh, and then they'll, they'll explain, you know, what they did. And so we take that information in, uh, we, we think about it, we pray about it, and maybe we execute it, and we're just, you know, we're applying that knowledge that we learned uh, as wisdom. Uh, it, it's wisdom gained, or it's knowledge that gained, but we're applying it in a desired result. Uh, again, in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, you know, what we know so much about Solomon from this chapter uh, remember, God, you know, comes to Solomon and says, you know, uh, what can I g give you, basically? Uh, ask anything of me. And you remember, uh, what, was Sol what did Solomon say? You remember what he asked for? Yeah, he, he, did, he asked for wisdom. Uh, verse 9 says, uh, Solomon says, So give your servant an understanding heart to judge, your people to, to discern... Uh, between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And then God says, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, 
nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourselves discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I, uh, you know, I love that verse uh, 10, that it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon asked for this. You know, again, many of us would ask for a longer life, would ask for riches and power, would ask for our enemies to be defeated. But that's not what Solomon asked for. He wanted to be able to judge his people, uh, to, to, uh, to have that wisdom, to be able to do that. And of course, in verses 16 through 28 of chapter 3 is that great story of, you know, the two women who... Uh, have the babies and one of them dies in the night and so one of the moms switches the two babies around and uh, they go to Solomon for judgment of course and what does Solomon do do you remember yeah he asked for a sword right he says I'm going to take the sword I'm going to split the, the the baby that's living down the middle and I'm going to give one half to each uh, mother and then, of course, the, the true mom speaks up and says, no, 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 you know, keep the child alive. Just give it to her. And while the other uh, mom who, who was not the real mom of that child says, yes, do that, you know, because uh, she wants the other mom to suffer just as much as she was suffering. And of course, Solomon knew who the true mom was and said, give, you know, give her the baby. You know, that's the type of uh, wisdom uh, that Solomon uh, received from God and um, Again, uh, he tells, um, David tells Solomon to act according to your wisdom. Uh, I know we're running quickly out of time, but I just want to point out one more in chapter 2, verse 7. One more thing that David says to Solomon on his deathbed. He says, verse 7, but show kindness to the son of to the sons of Barzillai, the Giladite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for they assisted me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. Right? David says, uh, and what, one of his last things to say is, you know, show kindness. You know, kind people are my kind of people. Uh, that's a thing, I think my daughter has a shirt that has that slogan on there. Kind people are my kind of people. Um, kindness is love and shoe leather. It, it, it's in, we do it in practice. And David says, uh, remember um, to show kindness. Uh, there was this man, again, by the name of Barzillai, who showed kindness to David. This man was 80 years old, and when David was fleeing from Absalom, he helped David uh, cross this river. He helped him escape, and he wanted to go with David and to continue on uh, the journey with David. Uh, but David told him no, to, you know, he was too old for this trip. Uh, but he, he greatly respected this man and the kindness that he showed. And so on his deathbed, he told Solomon to remember him. Um, again, show kindness. Second uh, Samuel chapter 10. I just wanted to read this uh, real quick because this, this shows the heart of this man, David. Second Samuel chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Now it happened afterwards that the king of the Ammonites died... And Hanan, his son, became king in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent some of his servants to console him concerning his father. But when David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites, the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan, their lord, Do you think that David is honoring your father because he has sent consolers to you? Has David not sent his servants to you in order to search the city and to spy it out and overthrow it? 
So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off half their beards and cut off their garments in the middle as far as their hips and sent them away. Then they told it to David. He sent to meet them, uh, for the men were greatly humiliated, and the king said, Stay at Jericho until your beards grow and then return. One of David's enemies, uh, the, the kings of the Ammonites, you know, the Ammonites and the Israelites uh, weren't the best of friends, uh, but the king of the Ammonite dies. And so David sends, you know, friends or sends consolers to him, to his son, to show kindness to uh, this, this man's uh, family. And uh, obviously he didn't take advantage of that, uh, of that kindness, but humiliated the man. But again, that was the type of man David was to show kindness. And so again, you know, what would you uh, want to pass on to the next generation? I, uh, I think David leaves, a, you know, a pretty good example of what, uh, uh, what you know, we could do. It, uh, be strong, keep the commandments, of course, you know, act in, in wisdom and uh, show kindness. I believe that was the second bell. Okay, so I will wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your attention uh, this evening.